Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limits Selling Podcast. And today we have the fabulous Miradante. Did I pronounce it right? There, you forgot the seeds, but but you got it. You still got it closer than ninety five percent of the people. So that you, that's great. Brilliant. So pronounce it like it's meant to be said. Mercadante. Mercadante. Love it. We had a great interview about a week or two ago, and we were talking about mindset. I was on your show, and today you're honoring us with your presence. And uh, let me tell you what breaks my heart, and then let's go on and go into the subject is when you see somebody in your life, dear listeners, dear viewers, you know who I'm talking about in your life, someone that has such amazing potential to be happier, more successful, more at peace. Uh, and they just can't see it themselves because something has them stuck. And it can be a lifelong journey to get unstuck. Or we can talk to Kurt and Kurt's going to show us how to get unstuck really, really quickly. Thoughts on that, Kurt? Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's um, you know, and, and, and like you, you know, working with clients sometimes, and I'm a very empathic person, it gets so difficult to watch somebody self-sabotage and and one of the things that that they think is, and it kind of reinforces it, I like to think of it as a circle. So uh, the equation, it's not really an equation. I don't know what you would call it. That I, that I share with my clients is that your beliefs fuel your thoughts, which fuel your actions, which fuel your results. Gospel. Yeah, right. And, and But a lot of people and most personal development gurus start with the actions. And you brought up mindset. And when they think mindset, it's just thoughts and actions, thoughts and actions. And I like to say, well, that's like getting up and rearranging the deck chairs in the Titanic, but you don't go below deck to say, oh my gosh, I'm taking on water. But you get up day after day after day and these hustle and grind, I call them the hustle and grind pornographers convince you, no, just get up and work harder. So you're sweating and you're tired and you're saying, I'm doing these actions and you're rearranging the deck chairs. And someone suggests, well, what? it appears that the boat's getting a little lower every day. No, 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 it's fine. They said to do this. So you focus on the actions and thoughts. Whereas if you went down a little bit earlier and plugged a leak, you wouldn't get to the point where one day you get out to rearrange the deck chairs and you find, well, I can't breathe because I'm underwater. And yeah. watching that happen to people, like you said, it, it's, it's heartbreaking. And sometimes you try to help them. And sometimes the limiting beliefs have created this wall that's right up against their face so they, it prevents them from even taking action to clear and clean their limiting beliefs. And that's when it really gets frustrating. I'll add another layer of complexity to it, which is like there uh, by default, but I'll verbalize it. So there's uh, thoughts, feelings, actions. Mm. And when I'm talking to a large audience, sometimes I'll ask them, what comes first? And I'll ask you, Kurt and dear listeners, what comes first? Uh, a happy thought that creates... A happy feeling? Or did you feel happy in that generated happy thoughts? So what comes first, a thought or a feeling, do you think? I, I, I like to think of it as a thought 
And then the feeling uh, can, uh, what do you call it? it? It adds an emotional charge to the thought. Yeah. Which can reinforce the crap. Both, yeah. And <laughs> so when I ask an audience, typically I get about uh, 50-50. They think a thought comes first or a feeling comes first, but it really doesn't make a difference because if there is a separation, it's a, a tenth of a millisecond. They're like almost embedded together and they lead to the behaviors that we do. And so the only problem is those thoughts and feelings are not the cause. It appears that they're the symptoms of the underlying belief. And if you had a belief that, you know, I can do anything and something happens where something fails, uh, the feeling could be inspiration mm. or the thought could be, I got this and you just move forward. And if you have a different belief, it's like uh, the world is over. Why bother trying? And so we just are aware of mainly the thoughts and sometimes the emotions, sometimes we're closed off from our bodies. And it, A, do you agree that most, many people are closed off from their bodies and their emotions? Uh, do you think that's true? Absolutely. I, I like to think of the emotions as kind of your emergency alert system. Yes. But especially with men, although a, a lot of like, you know, direct hard charging women as well. But as men, we're conditioned to, you know, people share the meme, F your feelings, yeah. you know, and it's the John Wayne type. And I say, okay, John Wayne, great actor, good movies. Um, okay, you, so you want to be the strong, silent type. You realize that John Wayne was a serial philanderer who had cancer in a number of instances, was a raging alcoholic and died in pain. So is that what you want? Now, I'm not saying his, his putting emotions down were the cause of that, but if you had to pick some symptoms that were the result of that, that's what it is. And yeah. when you hide your emotions and don't pay attention to them, that, that causes you to, to not want to go below deck to find out if you're taking on water. And it's like a blockage in your arteries. There's a blockage and you ignore it. So you keep eating whatever. And the blockage gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you say, well, I can just eat whatever I want. All those gluten-free people are weak, right? Losers. Yeah. And you keep eating that stuff. And what happens is the blockage gets big enough that at some point, the decision is going to be made for you. That and now you need to the hospital if you're lucky. <laughs> exactly. There's a blow up of energy, which is what a heart attack is, right? And when that, when you do that with your emotions and you just bury them, then you don't go below deck. And the, the, the interesting thing is once, you know, the beliefs, feel the thoughts, feel the, feel the actions and the emotions mm -hmm. kind of reinforce that. But once you get started and you prime that process, I like to think it then turns into a circle. So the beliefs fuel the thoughts, but then you have emotions and you have this negative self-talk, you marinate in the BS, and then it reinforces the beliefs. So it, it once you get it going, it's this endless vortex of death. And the same yes. thing is true when it's like, you're like freaking fabulous. And it's like, I can do anything. And I feel this amazing motivation and I do really well and it succeeds. And it starts this vortex of this momentum, the flywheel spins of opportunity and motivation and passion and then you can have like all kinds of shit coming in your life and it doesn't make a difference it's like hey man my and so yeah it could be a brake system that stalls you or a, a flywheel that keeps you going no matter what happens yep absolutely Same and if you, mechanism and if, different focus yeah and if like let's say you have a limiting belief so i have a client and um we've it's it's very clear you know so most of these or all of them are in your subconscious which is the 95 percent of you that's below the surface you just see the iceberg and we focus yeah. the conscious is why gyms are full january 1st the subconscious is why they're empty by january 15th yeah <laughs> and so like let's say you have an underlying limiting belief of worthiness 
Yeah. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Okay, great. And your focus only on the actions. Okay, well, Jocko Willink says I got to get up at four and I'm going to be successful. And Robin Sharma says five o'clock, 5 a.m. club, I'm going to be successful. And Grant Cardone says send 72 more times more tweets per day. And you do all that, but you haven't cleared the beliefs. And let's say you hit a roadblock. Well, then it's like I'm trying all the skills. You have the underlying beliefs of worthiness. And then you, you spiral into that vortex of I'm never going to be good enough. I'm just stupid. I'm just dumb. I'm doing the skills, but I must not be smart enough to do it. And then it's those beliefs fuel those thoughts that. So it's not that tactic and skills aren't important, but if you don't go and clear the underlying beliefs, it's like trying to, you have cracks in your foundation of your home and it's like, I'm going to paint the shutters in order to fix the foundation. It, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> it doesn't work. And you can have people that have like pretty crappy beliefs and they work really hard and they reach a high level of success, but it's hard work. You're pushing that boulder uphill all the time. And if you just take care of the underlying uh, beliefs, you realize you can levitate the boulder with your mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, there's, there's a lot of, reinforcement and conditioning in our society that we have to struggle. And it's so even like this discussion now, people are like, you know, it's like compare it to, well, okay, if you're a right-handed pitcher in baseball, you can teach yourself to throw and you can practice like heck for years to throw pretty well with your left arm it's still going to take more energy. It's probably not going to be as good. There's some people who listen to that and say, but my gosh, I'm going to work hard enough to do it. It's like, well, there's a difference between being prepared to face adversity. So if you break your arm or it gets cut off, learn to use your left arm. There's a difference between that and seeking it out. And yeah. I think a lot of people subconsciously think they have to struggle and so that's why they self-sabotage because they have those underlying beliefs. My dad was an immigrant and he came from Italy and he worked hard. It's like, yeah, he did that. So you wouldn't have to, you don't have to do what he did, but we don't even know we're doing it. It's in the back. It's in our subconscious. It's buried. And that's the reason God invented spouses. So when you're screwing up, your wife will tell you, wait a minute, Umar, you're not as funny as you think you are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the other part I like about uh, the body uh, is this is if you're paying attention to your body, it's really hard for me to focus on you at the level I want. So the only time I really do that is when I am in a therapeutic session, then I'm like, you are my universe. But now we're just kind of chit-chatting, you know, my mind's thinking about you know, where we're going. But if you're in tune with your body, you can pick up vibes from people. And sometimes I'm working with a client and I get this sense of, I'm feeling anxiety and I go, is Kurt making me feel anxious? And the answer is like, no. Then whatever Kurt is talking about is making him feel anxious and I'm just picking it up. And so some, if I feel it over here at the upper chest, I might go uh, touch myself there and say, so Kurt, what's going on? And you know what happens? That person goes, yeah, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety and this is coming up. And had I not noticed, I wouldn't have mentioned it. And they never would have revealed it. But by me basically geolocating it in my body and your body is a, a sensitive instrument if you allow it to be. Yeah, something you said on my podcast that was so uh, powerful and, and I think is so counterintuitive to what a lot of people think is you talk about positive affirmations and the power isn't necessarily in the affirmations. I mean, those are great, but it's in the pushback you get. The response, yeah. And the response 
And I like to think the same thing about meditation when you sit in silence. There's a, they published it in the Journal of Science that the majority of humans, rather than sit for 15 minutes in silence without their phone, without something to do, would actually rather subject themselves to self-administered electric shocks. Yes. And part of the reason is, is because when you meditate, people think that the goal of meditation is I'm going to, I'm going to levitate and I'm going to do that. And Hey, there's people that works for them. That's great. But I like to think that letting the crap rise to the top. And a lot of that is your body. So if there's a morning when I meditate mm -hmm. and, you know, I like to focus in the Dantian, the belly and focus on the light entering in there. If my breath is labored, if I can't seem to get it, if all mm -hmm. of a sudden this thought of a client or something that keeps coming into my head, it's not that I ignore it. I'd make note of it. Acknowledge like, it. You know what? That's something I have to clear today because my body is telling me something. And often we're like, no, we got to bury that. We got to bury it. And so it's not about bringing it back to your breath so you ignore it. It's bringing back your breath so you can calm. But I, I urge my clients, as soon as you get up, journal it. Your body was telling you something. That's what you got to deal with today. So this is brilliant book called The Artist's Way. Have you ever come across it? No, I haven't. I think the woman's name is uh, Julia Cameron, and it's all about, you know, how to use your intuition and art. And one of the exercises she shared was uh, just getting a journal and you just do automatic writing. And what that means is every morning for five minutes or 10 minutes, you know, before you have your coffee or after, you just write down whatever comes into your head and you just let your hand write it down. This is a stupid exercise. My butt itches. I need to pick up the laundry today. And it's a way of emptying your mind because uh, we have a, a ton of thoughts every single day. The only problem is most of the thoughts are very similar to the day before and the day before. And this technique allows you to empty your mind. And as soon as you write it down, it's stored. And you realize most of the stuff you're writing down is like dumb and not worth it. And then once in a while, it's like, uh, must change the batteries in the fire alarm. And you might just circle it and then come back to it later. But I did that for about a year and a half. And it was very Zen and it just kind of cleared your mind. So you've got mental space to be creative and uh, think about things that need thinking about as opposed to trying to do it in that free space between all the other thoughts that are happening in your mind. Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a, it, it's got its roots in stoicism, uh, mm -hmm. but then was adopted, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, which has a lot of roots in stoicism. And I talked to Donald Robertson, who wrote a book about Marcus Aurelius and and I had been doing this and calling it something else because I read it somewhere. It's not that I come up with it. You know, I, I read it somewhere and he said, oh no. And it was called worry postponement. Mm. And it's like, if you are, let's say you're supposed to be doing something that's important for work or being present with your wife or kids or whatever, but your mind starts cycling and vortexing, right? And you go and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm worrying about this, worrying about this. It literally is, okay, I'm going to take out my calendar and I'm going to schedule a date with the worry. <laughs> yep. And it's, and it's amazing that your mind, your mind is so powerful, but it's kind of dumb, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you've taken care of it. Now I'm going to do it at four, by the way, by the time it gets to four, maybe that has dissolved, but it's amazing. It's like having that thought before bed and you can't get to sleep. If you just write it down, it's Done. taken care of. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's small little things like that can, can, I don't know if it's tricking your mind, but you're no, it's actually utilizing your mind, uh, honoring your mind by giving it what it needs, as opposed to you will do what I tell you. And your mind's always going to win. There's this tradition of Huna 
they do this uh it's in hawaii their spirituality they've got this one technique so at the end of today before i go to sleep i will imagine all the important interactions of the day in miniature on the table right before me mm. will be a little curt and i will basically go i had a great interview today uh i should really send him a thank you note for you know being on the show and i could have had a bad interaction with someone else and basically you balance all the accounts before you go to bed at night and if there's a to-do item you do that and what it ends up doing is mm not layering on all the crap because we keep on doing it and going back to beliefs we've got an underlying belief that is let's say negative could be a positive one but let's talk about a negative one and then things that happen today that happen to resonate with it lay on thicker than they should take on more importance than they should and then over the days and the years it's just such a horrible ugly mess that we can't go near it when all of that was BS anyway. And I like this Huna thing. Every night you address all the issues, take care of it, go to bed, you sleep better, and you don't have all that mental baggage that you carry from day in, day out. Yeah, it, that, that's so powerful. There's, there's a, a modality that we teach. Uh, it's called Ho'oponopono. And a lot of it goes back to all of it. And, and with Huna too, uh, taking 100% responsibility. And you know to do anything, to, to, to hire you or I, to, to be able to stop and not react and respond takes hundred percent right. responsibility, realizing, all right, this might not be my fault, but it is my responsibility. And that could apply to why is my wife being mean to me? And just taking a deep breath and saying, well, how is she taking what I'm saying right now? And, and you take that responsibility in anything. You know, one thing you mentioned is, is that's, is the body sending you signals. Yeah. And I just, I do a, a beliefs and behaviors workshop with men nice. who come in and, and I jokingly say that, and, and, and LP is the same thing, right? There's people like, oh, this is magic. This is woo woo. This is whatever. And so I like to joke around that. Yeah. I'm the gateway drug to people who would not normally like to talk about things like energy or the subconscious. Yeah. Right. And one of the things we teach is how to use this. Absolutely. Yeah. And coming in, a lot of the folks think that. I'm going to tell them that there's some sort of magic or some little gnome or something that's moving the pendulum. And I break it down and I take away the mystique and say, no, it's your muscles. It's you. Doing the micro movements. Get, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And we get into the kinesiology, kinesiology of muscle testing and that your subconscious will move the pendulum without you even knowing it. And there's priming and there's programming to do it, but you can do different things, a sway test where you sway back and forth. Yes. There's muscle, traditional muscle, muscle testing with the arm. The pendulum is so easy to do. And it's something there once you get it going. And that's one of the ways. So there's ways that, that, that we can do it. And you did it with me, right? Identifying these things. You, you, yeah. you used me as a lab rat, right? On the, on the thing, identifying those. And you felt so, so violated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was wonderful. And we teach them how to identify some of these limiting beliefs. Like I have a client who said, oh yeah, perfectionism. I'm just a perfectionist. I said, let's go a little deeper here. And a lot of it was worthiness issues, fear that went back to the limiting beliefs. And I like to give them the, the tools to use this pendulum to sit there. And once you get it moving, you can identify your subconscious will never lie to you. It tells you it's a lie detector yep. and will tell you, are there any limiting beliefs here that are keeping me from doing this? And it's, It'll call bullshit on you, you know? And so you do it and, and it's not magic. And some of the men in there were like, oh my gosh, I see my wife forwarded me 
this meme and it was like things overheard in Sedona. We live in Sedona and there's yeah, a yeah. lot of yeah. things that, you know, and one of it was a dude at Whole Foods with the pendulum standing over the, the, the watermelons, selecting the watermelons. And the reason we laugh so hard is I do that not on watermelons, but yeah. I'll do it with probiotics, with other things. It's never it wrong, it's real, yeah. but it's not magic. It's me. The pendulum's just a tool. It's, so, it's, so let me, know. let me challenge that for you. Yeah. Saw this thing that just kind of blew me away. It was, uh, uh, bring a guy up and say, you know, uh, think of a thought that, uh, you know, uh, I admire Kurt. Of course, it's strong because I do. I love the work that you're doing. And then uh, Kurt is an asshole. And of course, it goes weak that I'm telling a lie. Perfectly fine. Then he does this. He tells the person he brings up and he says, I want you to face the wall. And there's an audience behind him. And he says, I want you to hold this tight. And he and he does. And then he says to the audience, when I go like this, send positive vibes to John. When I go like this, send nasty thoughts to John. Mm. He can't see what they're doing. He can't see what signal. And he's got his arm here. And he goes like this. He can't move the guy's arm. And then he goes like this, send nasty thoughts. And all of a sudden, his arm goes totally weak. And it's like, oh, totally. Oh, yeah. my God. Because it's not him. It's the audience sending the vibe. And that does feel like magic. Oh, yeah. It's... You know, I think so the way I like to explain it and anyone could disagree or disagree or agree. uh, I prefer it if everyone agrees, Um, but there's your subconscious. Yes. And there's your conscious. Your conscious is what, you know, it's the tip of the iceberg that we see. Your subconscious has the door that opens to your higher conscious. Yes. I like to call that the quantum. And so that's it. Whether you believe in God, the universe, the divine, whatever it is, I know atheists who will agree with all of this, right? They believe in this. Yeah. And most of the time that door's closed. And I think that the way that it's not just, it's, well, how does that work? How does that work? Well, how does gravity work? Yeah. How does, how am I talking to Umar? Are you still in Canada? I am. How am I talking? It's magic, right? My kid asked me the other day, not the other day, uh, maybe a year ago, how a cell phone works. And I'm like, well, it's easy. Well, I don't know. It actually it goes <laughs> into space and then comes back down. And so there's all these things that happen. The cell phone is a vessel for something that's coming in internally. You know, it's, if you take a firearm, there's no hate in the firearm. There's love or hate in the person using it, that it's a vessel. Yep. And so that energy certainly flows through. Um, I just like to help demystify it for some folks, but then going beyond that, which is the energy is clearly flowing through you and it's either just kind of trapped or you open the door to that quantum. And when I do it and I clear and clean, and there's some modalities, once you identify it, we teach three modalities, um, for other people to use. There's people and I can do it where I clear and clean these things like that. And you did that with me in like three minutes, right? But for other people to give them the modalities, we teach tapping, uh, emotional freedom technique, Ho'oponopono, Socratic questioning. And that's what that is, is all of it is moving energy around. And why I envision it, I actually ask, my subconscious has a name, it's Nicholas. Nice. Uh, I come Nicholas to open the door to the quantum. And when he does that, that's when the energy is aligned and flowing from the divine through me, through my conscious. Um I bring people there by the end of the workshop, but at the start of the workshop, if I went there, they'd, they'd get up and leave. But as we go through it, they're like, wow, this is working. 
And then I keep opening it up and opening up and they're like, oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. There's a trapped blockage in its energy. What, what else could it be? <laughs> yeah. And the one thing I like about what you're doing is this, is I always kind of tell this story. It's like, there are many ways to get to San Francisco. You could fly directly, you could fly to Houston, you could pogo stick, whatever you want. And so what we need to do as uh, leaders is not about, nobody gives a shit about what Kurt thinks. But Kurt really cares about the model of the world that the person he's working with. How can I take my skills to match their model of the world so it's okay for them to go on that journey? And I think that's where sometimes our friends in the psychiatric community is like, this is the only way to do it. You will conform to this way. And uh, my, so here's my superpower, if I have one. It's creating a really safe place that lets the person that's before me go and explore what's happening. And then I kind of align with their model of the world and use whatever technique suits them. And so, yeah, I think if we can attend to the people uh, before us, it's such a gift to do because so few people do it for, for them. Yeah. And in everything that I've learned, you know, people are like, and, and you have a podcast here, obviously we're on it now. I have a podcast, you know, why should I do the podcast? I want to monetize the podcast. This is what I want to do it. And there's a million reasons to do it. All are valid. Some are mistaken in my opinion, but one of the things is I use it as a, a university for myself and every modality that I do, well, not every, many of them I learned from guests on my podcast. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. And so you, you talked about NLP on my podcast. I had Dr. Lori Weiss talk about logosynthesis and I'm like, wow. And I jump into these things and a year from now, it might be something that I'm incorporating or we have a freedom circle men's group. I bring people in to help them and say, Hey, go buy from these folks. You know, it's, I'll have different sales trainers in and like, like they'll come in and they have different philosophies, but it'll click with certain men. And Joe Peachy was in and sold some seats to his boot camp. We'd love to have you in, you know, it's just, it's like a buffet. Hey, I don't like asparagus, but I love Brussels sprouts. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, there's, so it goes back to mindset where we started the whole thing, the beliefs. And there's one belief is that, you know, there's a limited amount of wealth in the world and I must have all of it. And I will not allow somebody else to come in and talk to my audience. What if they go with that person? It's like, what if they went with the person? Like, who cares? In the grand scheme of things, if it's like a really like, there's a limited amount, then yeah, it's like uh, life-threatening. But if you realize that the more people I let share my audience and vice versa, the richer experience I create. Uh, you know, one of the things that really just blows my mind is when I do the math of how many days I've been on earth and how many meals I could have possibly had, <laughs> uh, I don't think I missed a single one because I didn't have money. Mm. I might've been like in the car traveling and I decided not to stop, but think about that, you know, 60,000, uh, 300,000, whatever the number of meals are, I've not missed one. And I have such a blessed life. Uh, and I think what we really need to understand is that, you know, I am not Kurt, Kurt's not me, the clients you meet are not you, and everyone's got a different experience, a different set of beliefs. But if you can connect with a humanity heart to heart, magic happens, no matter who that person is, whether it's like a, uh, the first, world's first trillionaire or somebody that's just a uh, uh, panhandling. Uh, I met this guy, he was saying, you know, he never ever gives money to a panhandler unless he finds out 
who they are, what the name is, and how they ended up there. And he models it for his kids that you, this is a human being. Hmm. You can't just throw money at the problem and ignore it. And I just thought, that's a good belief system. It's like, how can I honor that human being? Yeah, it's wonderful. And, and you know, so much of our belief system is opinions that have hardened into fact over time. Yeah. And and so and because of tribalism, because of other things, because of, you know, people, pulpits and peers, right. And, and politicians, you know, you name it. And I, I we had uh, Randy Gage in my freedom circle yesterday. And I said, yeah, whether it's on the right or the left, watch a, a political debate and somewhere there will be a competition amongst the politicians, no matter how rich they are, uh, a competition to communicate uh, how poor they actually are. Well, you're rich. No, no, no. But I was born a poor man in a farm. It's a competition. And then you're sitting there watching that. And it's like poverty is a virtue. Poverty is a virtue. And then that gets reinforced and people misinterpret. Uh, you know, I have a lot of folks who come in and they're, they don't even want to do meditation because they think it goes against Christianity or, or Catholicism and all that. Yeah. And so they'll come in and I, they'll say, well, money's the root of all evil. I said, well, the actual, the, 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 the actual piece says the root of money, but that's after all these translations. But let me ask you this. A guy came to, I said this in the workshop, because we had a number of people in there who were Christian. And I said, okay. I said, so do you remember when Jesus was there and the dude came to him and said, hey, I did all these things, but what do I have to do to get into heaven? What does he say? And Jesus says, you know, sell all your things, do this and follow me. And the guy walks away. I says, okay, so poverty is a virtue, right? That's what they communicate. They said, yeah. I said, I'd like you to write down or take a guess. What's the tuition of the University of Notre Dame? or the Catholic high school I went to, it was like 50 grand. I said, okay, so is poverty a virtue? And we, but you get to it. And at the root of all this money is, is the, they use the term money. And for a variety of reasons, it's attachments. And those attachments can harden into beliefs where we're attached to a political team. We're attached to a, whatever team it is. I'm red versus blue, black versus white. It has to be white. part of a tribe. It's like, yeah. Hard. This and so you tribe. reject things like, well, no, Umar is team NLP and I'm team whatever. I can't do that. And it, that's not a learning uh, mindset, you know? <laughs> yeah, so I'm not sure I've got this right, but the way I heard it was uh, not money is the root of all evil, the lust for money. Yeah. So right. money is a tool. And so there's a really genius book that, uh, and I pun intended that, uh, dear listeners and viewers, you should get. It's called... Uh, uh, the geography of genius hmm. and they talk about you know there was actually particular locations on planet earth where everything aligned to create these geniuses it just hmm. doesn't happen in a vacuum and one of the things they talked about was uh, uh renaissance artists like uh michelangelo and da vinci and the reason that happened was uh the church you know really you know they wanted the power and the rich have political power so it's like rich people are bad and they're going to go to hell and then they wanted some of the money and they said you know what we'll do is there was a renaissance in art in these art schools where michelangelo and all these people learned is that you're going to go to hell for a lifetime and burn or you're going to go to heaven if you're poor and good but we they created something called purgatory hmm. for this specific reason that if you're rich and you buy some art for the church you'll have a million years in purgatory you won't be in heaven, but you won't be burning. And so they basically created this rich versus us to maintain, maintain power. And money is not good nor evil. It's, you know, how man makes it so. And I'm kind of misquoting because I stole somebody else's quote, but that's the essence of it, right? 
Yeah, it's the attachment to, to things, material goods. And, and people are surprised when I say, okay, when, when you say the love of money is the root of all evil, they're just talking about rich people, right? Greedy rich people. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, what about the dude who's middle class or makes 150 grand a year, 100 grand a year? I don't even know where, given inflation and everything, I don't even know where those lines are, right? But he is so, he's miserable. He's stressed and angry when he comes home. He's not present with his wife and kids because his sole focus is turning 59 and a half so he can start to quote live when he gets out his IRA or his 401k. Yep. Well, what about that? Isn't that the love of money as well? And it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It's if you are so attached to something that you allow it to live rent-free in your mind and the tail wags the dog, then you are a slave of that. Now, they use money as the example. And I think to your point, Guilt can be a great motivator to live a life that's just toxic and corrosive or to do something that someone else wants you to do. Right. There's a lot of uh, personal development gurus that do this. They make you feel guilty and weak. Why? Just pay me more money and I'll motivate you. But I also jokingly say, uh, you know, in certain religions, if a speech is given against money, get ready because someone's about to pass the hat. Right. And once you detach from that, and you're able to, and this is true for anything. Once you can say, I'm not going to take a side. I'm just going to look at this in question. Now there's people who are going to call you all sorts of names. You're conspiracy theorist, all this, because you're, you're violating their beliefs, but you look back and say, well, wait a second. Why are they doing this? Is this true? Which is at the heart of Socratic questioning. Is this true? And then you start BS detecting it. Is this a fact or an opinion? And then you just keep peeling the onion back and forth. It's like, oh, wait, it's not true. That was an opinion that became a belief hardened into, you know? So yeah, it's, I got to get that book though. Did you, what is it called? The geography Geography of genius. I got to, I got to look that up. Absolutely. So what's kind of interesting is just, uh, because from the Talmud, there's this one quote that I love that I use a lot. We do not see the universe as it is. We see it as we are. Mm. And so our beliefs color the way we see the world. And it conforms to what we believe. And if it doesn't conform, then it's bad and it's, and it's horrible. And uh, so I think at the end of the day, the journey really is within to figure out who you are. And so, Kurt, help me figure this out. I'm going to articulate what I'm working on these days. Hmm. Uh, so I was playing tennis the other day. And I was being aggressive, like trying to win the point and not doing a good job of it. So my tennis partner, who's kind of my coach as well, is saying, you know, come on, dude, stop trying to like kill the ball, just try and play it. And then I dropped down into a space of love when I was playing. Mm. And as soon as I dropped down to that place of love, uh, I started hitting the ball. It's like time slowed down. I was hitting the ball, but not trying to kill it. So I was more precise, more accurate. Uh, It just changed my game instantly. Like in this conversation, you know, if I drop down into love, I notice that my uh, voice gets a little richer. I start talking a little bit slower. I'm more thoughtful in what I'm doing. I'm not looking to be smarter than anybody else or any of that stuff goes away. So I'm thinking the next book really has to be about teaching people how to step into love. Uh, And uh, because when you do that, it changes how you show up. Uh, to do sports, to go out for a date with your wife, 
or to do a business transaction? Kind of thoughts on that and and what comes up for you? Yeah, you know, what immediately comes up is I, I think, and, and I didn't come up with this, uh, Chris Chimbers, who's an emotion code and body mm-hmm. code uh, uh, practitioner, said there's three types of energies we can be aligned with. There's the light energy, there's human energy, and there's dark energy. Now, human's better than dark. Dark could be satanic, could be, you know, but human is, I'm going to build a business because I want to get mine. I want a private jet because I look cool. I want to hit the heck out of this ball because I got to impress my teacher, right? Those types of things. That can happen in desperation. I haven't had a client in a week and I want the money and I want to be rich. That's human. And that's where you can get into the grasping. That's where you get into the fight or flight. The light is, I want to go on on a date with my wife, not simply to get lucky that night. Mm -hmm. I want to do it because this is a wonderful time and and she needs to spend time with me, you know? And so I actually, uh, one of the things that I do every day is sometimes multiple times a day, if I feel that something programmed me in the wrong way, is I take out the pendulum and I ask my subconscious, how aligned am I with the light right now? That's a great question. I do it before I get on calls with a client. And if I'm 2% human, I clear those. I say, all right, what is the energy here that is doing that? And I clear those because there might be a tone in my voice. Like you said, I sound differently. I act differently. It could come across as my friend, Larry Levine calls commission breath. If you're aligned with human versus the light. And so you try to get into that because when you're human, part of, of love, which is a light energy is receiving. Yeah. And you can't receive if you have a closed fist. And when you're human, you just, you want to kick ass, you want to go and you're like this, but if you open it, you're more receptive. You let go. You're more relaxed. And opening it is not greediness. Right. What's shocking is the number of people that uh, don't feel worthy of being loved. Hmm. I love giving gifts. I love doing this, but I can't receive because it's all self-worth kind of issues. So before we part company today, uh, uh, get the pendulum out. Yes, sir. Since you happen to have one. And uh, in order for Umar to be more of service, what's the one thing he needs to work on? See what comes up. Interesting. Okay. To be more of service. Well, here's what I would ask. I would say, um, for, let's test in terms of being aligned. Okay. It, with the light, light, human, or love. Okay. Uh, I mean, so, light, human, or dark. Okay. So test it. So I'll ask. Okay. So Nicholas is my subconscious. Nicholas, are you there with me right now? Yes. Can we tap into Umar's subconscious? Yes. And if you could bring the pendulum up so we can see it, it would be nice. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Here, I'll lower it because then it, it I kind of okay. got to keep it. At the uh, place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On a scale of one to 10, how aligned is Umar with the light right now? Well, the good news is you're 10 of 10. So you're, you're fully aligned with the light. And if it wasn't back and forth is a yes, that's the right. truth. If, if it came at eight, we would ask how much human, right. I would say two, and then we'd go in and say, okay, um, are there any trapped energies that are causing Umar to be uh, aligned with human? And then we would go and we have a whole list of them and we would identify them and you just go down the list. And so are you using the emotional uh, emotion code or something else? It depends if we're working, if I'm working with limiting beliefs or more of a back pain or light energy, things like that. Um, 
I have a list that I've tested that I teach on limiting beliefs and there's six categories and 10 to 15 oh, limiting beliefs. Share that with me. That'll be like brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah, I will. And then, but, or sometimes I go to the emotion code chart and test it and it's something in your lung and kidneys so, or something. So pause right there. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, so he's got intellectual property. Kurt. And I asked him, will you share that with me? And it's not like, hmm, should I? It was like an instant, sure, that'd be great. Right. And I think that's where we all need to be is in this place of openness and abundance and sharing and being of service. Because the one tip I'll give you, if you're feeling down today or depressed, there's a really simple way to relieve that. Drinking. No, not drinking. The, the way to do that is just, just help another human being. Yeah. Yeah. Help another human being. It's a gift for them and it's a bigger gift for you. You came on my podcast and you did a four minute clearing with me on, mm -hmm. on, a, on a fear that I had. Um, and you gave that away. And there's a, there's a movie from the nineties called blue chips. It's with Nick Nolte and like Shaquille O'Neal and he recruits mm -hmm. him and everything. And it's the end of the thing. It's before the big game. And before the game, he gives this motivational talk. And one of the things he says is I'll never forget it. The other side can know what we're going to do. They can know our game plan. And he said, hell, I'll walk across the court right now and give them the game plan. But it's not the game plan. It's how you execute. And if you or I are giving and we tell people, here's what I do, here's how it happens. If it's right and they want help doing it, then they're going to come to us. And but but again, it's that giving and receiving that creates the cycle of prosperity. Absolutely. Kurt, Thank you so much for being on the show. It was a delightful conversation and uh, 45 minutes went by like that. Uh, before we part company, what brings joy and happiness to your life? You know, what brings joy and happiness to my life is my wife and kids nice. and even, even little things. When my wife goes out and she says, Hey, I was out and I got you a sparkling water. When my uh, my 11 year old in the morning gets up and cuddles with me on the couch, not because I asked him to just because he does it's that type of stuff that anything else could happen. A comet could hit tomorrow. And that's what makes me happy. So I'm going to ask the next question. But before that, I want to share my niece is 14. And so I've been teaching her how to cook. I'm not that great at cook. There's certain dishes I'm like freaking awesome at. And so her and I were going to cook for the family. And so I took her out to the grocery store. And actually, she took her money and purchased all the groceries. So the thing we were going to cook that evening came from her. And it was just like such a beautiful, loving thing to do for her family. And so I took a picture of it to commemorate. Like, you know, this is what love is. This is what generosity is. Uh, second question, what's a tip you'd like to share with people that would allow them to be happier, more fulfilled, sexier, mm -hmm. sleep better? Like, what's the one thing you'd like to share? When, when something happens and you start spinning out of control and you're anxious and your, your fight or flight gets up and it could be somebody triggering you or something on social media, or you don't even know what's triggering you. Do three quick things. One, stop. It's like your parents used to say, stop, count to 10. Stop what you're doing. Number two is retreat. If you're sitting on your couch, spinning out of control, feeling bad for yourself, get away from whatever energy field you're sitting in. Go to a different room, go outside, whatever it is. I tell people, pull the car over. I have a guy who goes into the bathroom at work, gets away from his cubicle, sits on the toilet, doesn't go to the bathroom, just sits there. And number three is change your energy state. It could be breathing. It could be, it could be a Wim Hof. It could be a slow breathing. If you're out for a walk, sprint something to knock your energy around. And then you could do EFT, Ho'oponopono, those things, lift weights, do something that is a, that is really going to jolt your energy 
to get you in a pattern interrupt and change your energy state, if you know nothing else, you'll come out of that saying, oh, wait a second, why the heck was I worried about that? It doesn't seem so big anymore. Words to live by. Kurt, thanks so much for being on the program. We are still going to be connected, talking for a little while after the show. Anybody watching the Facebook Live, if you've got uh, any questions for Kurt, we're going to actually add him uh, to the text and put his uh, link there so you guys can reach out to him directly. And uh, Kurt, once again, thanks so much. Let me stop the live stream. And uh, Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 